listener. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Sydney Around Town. I'm Emma Joyce, Features Editor at Broadsheet, and I host this short guide to Sydney. Today, we're chatting with Broadsheet's Dan Cunningham about a new Surrey Hills restaurant and bar by the family behind The Fold in Dulwich Hill. Sadly, The Fold has now closed, but the new eatery takes the Sri Lankan dishes we loved and it introduces a new hopper bar and cocktail menu. Before that, we're talking about Mark Olive's new place at Sydney Opera House. Dan's eaten at Midden and he interviewed Mark Olive. Let's hear what he had to say about it. Mark Olive has spent decades cooking with and talking about native ingredients like saltbush, kwandong and kangaroo. The Sydney Opera House in its 50th year has invited Mark Olive to open a new all-day diner right on the boardwalk. It's open daily and there's lots of ways to approach the menu, including a high tea and also pre-theatre menus. Dan, you went to the opening of Midden at Sydney Opera House and Mark Olive was there. I'm so curious to know, what did he say? How did he feel about having a new diner at the Opera House? Yeah, so this is obviously, you know, a huge deal given that, you know, this year the Opera House is celebrating its 50th anniversary, which is like, you know, it's a huge milestone right there. Mark has partnered with Dalton House Hospitality Group um, to kind of bring this vision to life, which is basically like an accessible restaurant that is showcasing native Australian ingredients. So I went to the opening night and yeah, it was a pretty ecstatic sort of feeling in the room. There was hundreds and hundreds of people. I think that they had, they'd invited something like, you know, 200 and then double that turned up, you know, friends of friends, all that sort of thing. And yeah, Mark sort of spoke for 10 minutes, um, amongst a few speeches, but really for him, it was such a, almost like a huge arc for him because he, he had had a restaurant in the nineties. Basically it was his first hospitality venture and it was called the midden. The start of his career was with this restaurant called the midden, which was on Pitt street. He's like an arts kid. So he went to uni in Melbourne, studied drama, and then wrote the TV show, the Outback Cafe which is kind of where his television career started. It's certainly where his celebrity is known the most. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, a better part of 30 years, he's been building up this career and it's all kind of led to this moment, which is, yeah, opening a restaurant at one of the most iconic buildings in the world, which is a really big deal. You know, he was saying in his speech that his family is originally from the Northern Rivers, so he's a Bunjalung man, but his parents moved from the Northern Rivers to the Illawarra. They were on a mission, moved to the Illawarra. He said that if you could have told me that a a boy from Dapto would go on to open a restaurant at the Opera House, Mission Impossible were the words that he used. And his 94-year-old father was in the room that night, which was just so touching. And yeah, you kind of really felt the gravity of it. I think we can't understate how important it is to actually have a restaurant at the Sydney Opera House and in that area generally that's so tourist-facing as well as having lots of locals visit, that is actually run by an Indigenous man. And he has lots of ingredients that perhaps other people might not have tasted before. So although you can probably get native ingredients at places like Benelong and high-end restaurants, this place is inviting people in who may or may not have booked, may or may not know it's there. And also you can access the menu in lots of different ways. I know that he has like a pre-theatre menu, a high tea grazing, lots of different ways to access the dishes he has. 
And I know he also uses ingredients like lemon myrtle, saltbush, but also wallaby and crocodile. What are kind of the dishes that he's most excited to share with other people? Yeah, so he was really stoked on the the wallaby shank was one of the dishes that he told me that it would be great to try, uh, which I did. And I'd never had wallaby before. I think that'd be the case for most people. It's just sort of not readily available. Um, we're sort of seeing kangaroo more and more these days, but wallaby is something that you just can't really get. And I think that dish in particular was kind of emblematic of everything that they're doing. It was very familiar. If you told me it was a lamb shank, I probably like I would have believed you, you know. And you know, yeah, like I tried crocodile as well. They're sort of presented as kind of like skewers. Yeah, it's really cool that the this is a place where these these things can kind of live, and especially when the supply chain for these ingredients is so scarce. Mm. Um, Did you talk about where he's getting his produce from? Yeah, so he said he's sort of getting ingredients from all over. The executive chef, um, Damien Worthington, who is there kind of day-to-day, he sort of runs the runs the operation. He was saying they're working closely with a man called Vic Cherikov, who is sort of one of the, the pioneers of, of um, Native Australian sort of ingredients and kind of like trying to get those into the mainstream. Um, and Mark said they're also working with an organization in La Perouse called Indigigrow, which is sort of like almost like a, you know, sort of small farm slash education hub, teaching kids about these ingredients and like, you know, how to propagate them and all this sort of thing. So, so that's really cool. And so, but he said that he's having to get uh, ingredients from all over the country because there's no sort of mainstream supply chain. Also, one other thing that was really interesting is that he said most of the sort of farming of these ingredients is owned by cosmetic brands and because these things are being used in shampoos, you know, moisturizers, all this sort of thing. So in terms of actually using this stuff for culinary uses, it's pretty rare. Sharon Windsor runs Indigi Earth from Mudgee. They're supplying the loose leaf tea, which they have. I know that you can have that with the high tea menu, for example. There are a number of different flavors. Did you try any of the teas? I did. I tried the lemon myrtle tea and that was certainly unlike any other tea I'd really tried. I'm sort of familiar with the flavor of lemon myrtle, but um, yeah, in a tea, it was just really beautiful. And I, I imagine it's, it's something you can very easily do at home as well, you know. And I love the words on his website say to um, have a few moments for yourself. That's that's what I need. I need to go to the opera house and have a few moments to myself with you, some tea. You must. And I mean, the view there is just like spectacular. They're open every single day and lots of different times that you can access certain menus. What's the best time to visit in your opinion? Uh, I think it'd be really nice to go for lunch. Like I said, it's sort of just like on a, on a beautiful day and it's covered as well. So you can kind of, you know, perch up there and just take it all in on a cracking Sydney day. Well, Midden by Mark Olive is found at the Western Broadwalk at Sydney Opera House. It's open daily and it's where Portside used to be, if you'd like a reference. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Emma. Okay, we have sad news for anyone in Dulwich Hill. The fold has already closed. But the family behind it are opening a new restaurant in Surrey Hills, which we feel very excited about. Dan, you said it was going to be like a sequel to their Sri Lankan diner. Yes. First of all, before we get into the new place, which is called Kurumba, why did the fold close? Yes, the fold sadly folded a couple of weeks ago. The family um, that runs the fold, they basically had always planned on 
getting into the restaurant game. So the fold was kind of like it started as a cafe, like a pretty straightforward cafe. The reception to the Sri Lankan flavors that they were playing with was yeah, really warm and people were really into it. So eventually the fold became like a restaurant. Basically, I think they're, they're doing dinners from Wednesday to Saturday and then running the cafe sort of during the day. And then Traven, who is one of the sons, and he's also the executive pastry chef at Franca Amorica Grand Brasserie and Parlor, those great restaurants. He was just saying that they wanted to keep the fold, but um, essentially to sort of execute the vision at Karumba, they basically had to make a pretty hard decision and, and yeah, sort of close, close the fold to focus on the new thing. This place is going to have a dedicated hopper bar. Yeah. So in Sri Lanka, sort of one of the staples of the cuisine is hoppers and they, they sort of come two ways. The first is uh, string hoppers, which is which are sort of really interesting little things. They, it's a mixture of rice flour, water, and then a couple of other ingredients. And they're basically sort of essentially pancakes, essentially. And the idea is that you sort of fill those with um, sambal, curry, whatever. And then the other version of a hopper is, is made with egg. Um, and it's basically kind of like a fried, same sort of thing, like rice flour, egg, and it's sort of put into like a... It's almost like a tiny little wok. The final form of it is is basically like a cup, and same sort of thing. You just fill it up with whatever whatever you're eating, and yeah. So at the hopper bar, I believe that both will be made before your eyes, which is really cool. So there'll be like an element of theatre there, and and if you go to Sri Lanka, this is the kind of thing that you would get, you know, on the street or as well as restaurants, and you can. It's always you, you see it being made, um, which is really cool. Lankan filling station before they opened their place in Darlinghurst used to go to carriage works, farmers markets, and you used to be able to kind of watch the experience of them creating their like egg or plain hoppers there. And uh, that was just always a fun thing that you could do that you can't kind of do in their restaurant anymore. It's just not set up that way. So I love this idea of a bar. Yeah, it's really cool. So head chef Augie, is he the father? Yes. Okay, he's devised the menu, I know, and he's spoken about a signature dish with some roti and curry and egg. What is that dish and also what are the other things we can expect on the menu? He's going to be doing a couple of really cool things. Yeah, so as you said, sort of the the signature that they've sort of flagged already is um, kotu. And kotu is sort of like on a flat hot plate, chopped up roti, egg, curry, it's so yum. Augie's giving a uh, like a bit of an elevated sort of twist with lobster. Okay. So stepping up, I guess that's kind of maybe influenced by having all of these Amorica and Franca, those restaurants as well, being part of that framework. Do we know anything about the drinks they're going to have? Because it's going to be a bar as well as a restaurant. In Sri Lanka, gin is is very big. There's kind of a big sort of gin scene over there. And also Sri Lankans drink this spirit called Arak. And it's basically, I had this very recently in Sri Lanka, actually, funnily enough. It's not whiskey. It's not rum. It's sort of somewhere in between. And it's like boozy. It's like a dark spirit. And basically it could be like, yeah, like a whiskey or a bourbon substitute. So they're going to be showcasing Arak and gin. And then one thing that's also really cool they're doing is the family's teamed up with uh, this brewery in sort of regional New South Wales called Bread and Brewery. And they've basically brewed an exclusive beer for the restaurant. And it's a riff on Sri Lanka's national beer, which is Lion. So it's essentially, 
you know, classic Southeast Asian sort of really easy sm- drinking smashable lager sort yeah, of thing. You, know, you were leaning towards smashable. But yeah, I just I know I what you mean. It kind of, it kind myself, of goes, yeah. with the, goes with the cuisine. They're sort of spinning that and they've brewed it with treacle, which may sound also kind of, you know, like a bit of a left field spin. But in Sri Lanka, treacle is like a big deal. They have it with curd, you know, almost like yogurt and treacle. And that's kind of one of their sort of, it's like a roadside. I can visualize it. So it like, yeah. it look beautiful. Yeah. And it's really nice. And it's like, they, they kind of just, you put, just pull over on the side of the road and you can just grab yourself a bowl of curd and treacle. Do we know anything about the name? What karumba might mean? So in Sinhalese, karumba means baby coconut, roughly. And I guess the, the family's kind of gone with that to sort of show, you know, like the baby coconut has so much potential. They've come from this really cool little neighborhood cafe in Dulwich Hill and now they're sort of, you know, they're going, reaching for the stars. Maturing into a later night restaurant and bar. I like that idea. So do I. Can you remind me when and where is Karumba opening? So it's going to be opening on Crown Street in Surrey Hills. One more for Crown in August. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks, Emma. And that's all we have time for today. As always, you can keep up to date with what's happening around Sydney at broadsheet.com.au and at broadsheet underscore Sid on Instagram. A listener production.